Amen, amen, amen. I'm excited about today. I'm excited about what God is going to do. And so uh, go ahead and grab your Bibles. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. Turn me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Uh, if you don't know where that is, it's in your New Testament. So you're going to go Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, and then 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Uh, while you're turning there, where you're finding that, if you can do me a favor right now, if you've been watching, I know this is important, and I know you enjoy the, the music and the worship part of this, but this is an important part of the whole entire service as well. And so right now, I need you to like, I need you to comment, but most importantly, I need you to share. Share, 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 share. This is so important today. And so we are starting a brand new series, starting a brand new series. We were going through the past couple of uh, uh, months from Christmas up to Easter uh, on a series called, Who is This Jesus? And so we looked and, and seen how Jesus interacted with his disciples and with others and, and kind of understood the character of who Jesus is. Uh, and now what we're going to do is we're going to take from Easter, which celebrates the resurrection. And this new series is called After the Resurrection. After the resurrection. Now last week, what we left off is, is that, hey, there may be some of y'all that are a little skeptical. There may be some of y'all that are uh, a little confused. There some, maybe some of y'all that are a little hesitant. There's some of y'all that maybe your mind says one thing, but your mind is so closed that it can't get to your heart. And so what we're going to do over the next several weeks is we're going to look at after the resurrection because Jesus didn't just rise from the dead and then go straight to heaven. He was on this earth for 40 days after. And so we're going to look at that. So if you're somebody who's a little skeptical or maybe you know somebody that's a little skeptical and wants to know a little bit more about this whole Jesus thing and did he really rise from the dead? Did he really get up? Is he really alive and well today? This would be a great message to share with them. So hit that share button because I promise you, not only are you going to get a blessing, but if there's somebody in your life that has some questions, they're going to get some questions starting to be answered. And hopefully what we believe is that the more we answer these questions, the more we'll see Jesus as who he is, the alive and well savior of the whole entire world. So turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, we're going to start right there. Hopefully at this point you found your Bible, we're going to put it on the screen as well so you can follow along. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is what the, the Apostle Paul wrote to a letter to the, the church at Corinth. He said, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I, I received, which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And then he was buried and then he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So right here, before we jump into to verse number five, just so we understand, he talks about that word gospel and then he defines what the gospel is according to the scripture. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Well, then he continues in verse number five, and he says, and that he was seen of Cephas, or Peter, then of the 12, the 12 disciples, the 12 apostles. After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, so 500 people all at one time, 
of whom the greater part remain under this present and some are falling asleep. Now let me explain that for just a minute. What he's saying is that of those 500 that he's seen, there's been now, now several years that have passed by, but there are still people living in this very moment when he's writing this letter that will attest to the fact that they saw Jesus alive and well after the resurrection. Now, when it says about some of them have fallen asleep, what he's talking about is that some of them have died, but there are so, the greater part, the majority of the people are still alive at this moment and can testify to the fact that they saw Jesus after the resurrection. Let's keep on going in verse 7. It says, after that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, in verse 8, and last of all, he was seen of me, talking about Paul, also as of one born out of due time. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for what this day represents. Lord, last week was Easter, but really for the Christian, every single Sunday is Easter. Every single Sunday is an opportunity to come and to worship a risen Savior. And so, Lord God, as we, as we go through this series, Lord God, I pray for the person, Lord, that is a little skeptical, the person that is a little uh, confused, the person that is a, a little hesitant to, to really think, hey, is this all this really true about this Jesus and the fact that he came to this earth and died for our sins and, and rose up again in victory over those sins? Lord, I pray for that person that you would open their minds and, Lord, more importantly, open their hearts to hear what you have to say. And Lord God, I pray for the person who's the believer, Lord God, because honestly, Lord, if we'll be, be completely honest, some of us have not really lived a life like Jesus is alive. We've not lived a life in celebration of that resurrection. And so Lord God, I pray you be the believer as well. And Lord God, we need you today. I need you today. And so Lord God, I pray whatever is done, that everything would be done according to your glory. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now the reason why we started in 1 Corinthians, and we're, I'm actually going to move over to a, another part of your Bible in just a minute, but the reason why we started in 1 Corinthians 15 is because I wanted you to first of all see that, look, when there's a record, an account that Paul is making here of all the people that saw Jesus after his resurrection. There are, there are, we, we see one person being Paul, being, excuse me, Peter. Then we see 12 people. And then we see 500 people. And then we see another person and, and another group of people and another person. On and on and on we see over these, over these 40 days that the, 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 these are people that physically saw Jesus, physically saw Jesus in the flesh after the resurrection. And so that's one thing we can look at and say, hey, we have an account, an eyewitness account of what actually happened. And so what we're going to do over the next several weeks is what we're going to do is we're going to look at these different accounts in the Gospels of what, when we saw Jesus or, 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 or and, and what, how kind of, what he interacted with, what he did while he was there, the lessons he taught while he was here. So we can see these different opportunities and see that God, what he did, he was alive and well. He was resurrected. Jesus was resurrected. And now let's see what he has to say and what he does. And, the, and I hope that this is something that we can see. This is not somebody who's just, in, in, in some of our minds, a historical figure that walked on earth. He is a resurrected God. 
that is walking among us in these sections of scriptures we're going to talk about today. So uh, what I want you to do is I want you to move over a couple um, uh, books back to the book of John. To the book of John. So you're going to go from 1 Corinthians back from to Romans through Acts and then into John. John chapter 20. John chapter 20, okay? That's the fourth book in your New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. Or if you're going from 1 Corinthians, it's the fourth book back, okay? So you go 1 Corinthians, Romans, Acts, and then the book of John. Now, here's what we're going to do. The title of the message today is The First Encounter. The title of the message today is The First Encounter, now, I don't know about you, but I grew up in, in the 80s and 90s, and, and so probably when you hear the word encounter, you're thinking about like all the movies that had like aliens and all that kind of stuff. This is not what we're talking about, okay? We're talking about the first encounter that someone has with Jesus. Now, what's interesting about the section of scripture we're going to talk about today is we're actually picking it up in a place before the list that Paul gave in 1 Corinthians. Because he starts his list with being seen of Peter. But Jesus is actually seen of someone else first. And then even there's, there's another group that we're going to talk about next week that he's seen of. And then he's seen of the apostles. Then he's seen of Peter. And, and so this is kind of interesting that he doesn't start there, Paul doesn't start there, but we're looking at a, a section of scripture right here to where we're seeing the very first person, the very first encounter of Jesus with someone after his resurrection, okay? And it actually happens at the tomb, at the grave, okay? So, you know, we, 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 last week we talked about they went in and they saw it and these two angels came and said, you know, he's not here, he is risen, and so now there's a person that stays at the tomb. There's a person that stays at the grave. And that's who we're going to talk about today. So if you have your Bibles, and now to John chapter number 20, I want you to look in verse number 11. In verse number 11. It says, but Mary. Now let me explain who this Mary is. This Mary is Mary Magdalene. This is the Mary that Jesus cast out seven, seven, seven devils out of uh, early in the Gospels. And so she, when that happens, she becomes a follower of Jesus and she starts following along. So that's this Mary that we're talking about. This is the same Mary that was with the other women that went to prepare, brought spices the morning of that resurrection to embalm the body. This is that Mary. It says in verse 11, Mary stood without, the word without means outside, at the sepulcher or the tomb or the grave, weeping, weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher, looked into the tomb. Verse 12, and seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. We talked about this last week. Verse 13, and they said unto her, these are these two angels, said unto her, woman, why weepest thou? Why weepest thou? She saith unto them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. Now let's just be honest. If, you, if, you're, if, you're, if you've been that, that three days before the resurrection, and you saw them put him in the tomb, you saw them roll that stone, and now you show up that Easter morning, that stone is rolled away, you go in, your first thoughts are like, where did they take him? What happened? Like, what's going on here? 
Now, what's interesting about this, she shouldn't be thinking this because it, other gospel accounts talk about that there were soldiers that, that stood guard in front of the tomb. So there's nobody that could have gone in there to, to do anything with Jesus' body. But even though everything in her mind says there's no way it could have happened, her first response is, oh my gosh, where did Jesus go? Who took him? Let's go into verse 14. When she had just said this, she turned herself back and saw, notice what she saw, she saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Now, I don't know exactly why she didn't know it was Jesus. One, one, one commentary would say that maybe she didn't know it was Jesus because her eyes were so full of tears that her eyes was blurred that she couldn't really tell who it was. Some scholars would say that maybe it's because he, he maybe looked a little bit differently than what he looked before that. Not just from the standpoint of maybe looking a little different because he's now resurrected, but think about what her last impression of Jesus is. Her last impression of Jesus is a body that has been torn to shreds. The last image she has is of a bloody body that has been nailed to a cross. That, that, that is, that, that it says that he was beaten to the point you couldn't even tell he was a man. That's the last image she has of Jesus. So to see this Jesus that is now standing for it doesn't look a lot like this Jesus. And, and maybe there's other commentaries that say that maybe, maybe Jesus didn't reveal himself yet to her to where she could understand that that was Jesus. I don't know. But for whatever reason, when she looked at Jesus, she didn't know who he was. Now notice in verse 15, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? What's interesting in what Jesus is talking about, first of all, he asks why she's upset and why she's crying. But then he also talks about whom do you seek? I think what's interesting about that, he doesn't ask the question, what are you seeking? He asks, whom you are seeking. Because what she was looking for wasn't a what, it was a who. Now let's keep going in verse 15. She's supposing him to be the gardener. The gardener, around the, the, the one who's kind of tending the garden around the tomb. Saith unto him, Sir, if thou had borne him hence, if, basically saying if you carried him away to another place, She's talking to, to Jesus, thinking he's a gardener and saying, hey, if you've taken him somewhere else, tell me where thou hast laid him and I will take him away. She pleads with this gardener and says, look, if you're the one who took, if you're the one who took this body, if you're the one who took Jesus, if you've carried him away, tell him where you put him so that I can take him away because I don't want to lose him. I want him to, if he was here, I want him to stay here. Now here's what's really interesting in verse 16. Verse 16, Jesus saith unto her, Mary. Jesus says one word to her. One word to her. Jesus looks at her as she's crying, weeping, pleading with him to tell her where the body is and he says one word and it's Mary. The one word he said is her name. He says her name. And notice what Mary does. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. 
As soon, as soon as Jesus said her name, Mary knew exactly who he was. She knew he was the master. She knew he was Jesus. She knew he was the savior. Now, if you're taking notes, if you're taking notes, the first thing I want you to write down about this encounter, number one, it's a personal encounter. It was a personal encounter. A personal encounter. Now, you may, you may say, Buchanan, how can you say that, that, that it's, it's a personal encounter? Well, one thing, let's look, at, look, let's look at John 10. John 10, 1 through 4, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up by some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entered in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Verse 3, to him the porter openeth and the sheep, listen to this, the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And notice this in verse 4, and when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Well, one thing that you'll look in scripture, and, and, and maybe you've heard this kind of stuff, but there's, there's a lot of illustration when it comes to, to sheeps and lambs and, and herding and all that kind of stuff. And, and we see Jesus in, in this way of, he's the shepherd and we're the sheep. And so, you know, the, the, the shepherd, you know, the shepherd leads and guides and the, and the sheep follow. But notice what this is saying is that the shepherd knows his sheep. The shepherd knows his sheep by name. Jesus knew Mary by name. And when Mary heard his voice, she called him master. And so they, they, the sheep follow because they know his voice. Now, here's what's kind of interesting. When we talk about encounters, when we talk about sightings, uh, we, we think in a, in a way that, well, we saw something, but not necessarily that it was something that like, made an impact in, on us. I, I, I'm, I'm, because we're in this whole uh, isolation and all that kind of stuff, we're doing a lot of different things. And, and unfortunately, I should say that, that maybe I, I should be doing that or I shouldn't be doing that, but I have a little more time on hands. So we're, we're watching things on TV, uh, and we have Hulu. And so we watch Hulu and, and, and we've been watching different series and, you know, that whole binge watching thing where you'll watch one episode and then, hey, I don't have anything better to do. So you watch two episodes and before long you're, you're standing in front of the TV six hours and you've watched a whole entire season. Uh, right now we're, we're watching a show called Perfect Strangers. Some of y'all have no clue what that is, but if you grew up in the 80s and 90s, maybe you remember TGIF on Friday nights. It was part of the TGIF uh, lineup with like Full House and, and Family matters but we've been watching perfect strangers and, and we've been watching uh, uh episode after episode after episode after episode we're almost done with the whole entire season or the whole entire series i should say but but what's interesting about hulu is that you know what i like about hulu is that you can watch things that are kind of old but you still have to kind of watch the ads and sometimes it'll come up and there'll be one particular uh company that kind of is the ad for that whole entire show and so Progressive is one of those, one of those, uh, companies that do that. And so there's this, this commercial that comes on basically every single commercial break. And, and it's a new one. And I don't know if you've seen it or not, but there's a Progressive commercial and, and, and there's, there, 
the, the, I think her name is Flo. She's sitting down talking to this hairy individual and he's Bigfoot. And so he's talking about how things have changed and how, you know, it seemed like everybody wanted to see me and there's all these different people that he tries to get in their picture, but they don't really care. And they're trying to say, hey, that's, that's the battery or there's somebody that's going down a boat and, you know, Bigfoot's out over there trying to see if he's going to be seen or whatever like that. And they just kind of roll on by and, and he's like, you know, people used to be all about seeing me and, and finding me and now they really don't care. And, and at the end of the, the, the deal, Flo actually calls and says, well, you know, maybe this is going on. Bigfoot and he said what'd you call me he says my name is Daryl and that's kind of funny to think about that Bigfoot has a name but the reason why I use that illustration is because we look at this the situation like when it comes to the resurrection like there were people that say oh there he is it, it wasn't like this is a situation where uh, where is Waldo you remember that when you were a kid and you see this whole big picture and you're having to look and try to find and man there's Waldo with his striped shirt and his glasses on Jesus, this is not how Jesus was doing this. Jesus didn't want to be something that we say, hey, by the way, I saw Jesus. Did y'all see Jesus? Hey, I took a picture of him. I know they couldn't take a picture back then. Maybe they drew a picture of him. I don't know. But this is not how this is. This is not just a random sighting that they see Jesus. The fact that what Jesus did after the resurrection, he didn't just randomly show up in random places. It was personal. It was personal. He came specifically from the standpoint for Mary to see him and called her by name. See, here's what's interesting about the Christian life. And if you're new or new to Christianity, maybe you don't understand this yet, but especially if you're outside the faith right now, what you don't understand that what we're seeing here and when we talk about Jesus and we talk about God, we're just not talking about some abstract idea. We're not just talking about some, the, we're not talking about just the man upstairs. We're not just talking about some, some big God that, that we, we think we know where he is, but he don't really know. What we're talking about when we talk about Jesus, when we talk about God, we're talking about someone we know personally. Because when it came to my salvation, when it came to me putting my faith and trust in Jesus, I didn't just come into a, into a relationship with an idea. I didn't just come into a, into a relationship with something that was bigger and, and I didn't know exactly what was going on. I came into a personal relationship with Jesus. See, when it came to my salvation, and let me under, help you understand this. When it comes to the part of putting your faith and trust in Jesus, that when, when, when Jesus came to me and, and, and convicted me of my sin and, and, and desired a relationship with me, he didn't just put a blanket statement out. He called me by name. He said, Buchanan, you are dead in your trespasses and sins. Buchanan, I want a relationship with you. Buchanan, I want you to be in heaven with me one day. It wasn't, it wasn't a mass call. It, 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 wasn't like, it wasn't like the Super Bowl. Let's see how many viewers we can get. When it came to my salvation, it was a personal encounter. It was a personal encounter. And when it comes to Jesus, he is not looking from the standpoint to try to reach the masses. Does he want everyone to, to come to know him and to be saved? Absolutely. He came so that none would perish. No, not one. But from the standpoint of salvation, salvation is not something of the masses. Salvation is to the person, to the individual. It's a personal encounter. As much as Jesus called Mary, 
is as much as he's calling me. Or as much as he called Mark. Or Amber. Or Sean. Or Rebecca. Or, or even the other people we saw. Wesson. And Hunter. Clint. And Anthony. Every single one of these individuals. God came to them in a personal way. And here's what's really cool about the Christian life is that it didn't stop there. That I have a personal relationship and a personal interaction with Jesus every day. You may say, well, how do you have personal encounters with Jesus? One is through his word. Two is through prayer. Three is through his Holy Spirit. Four, even through other people and and how God is working in their lives and how that's encouraging me. But when we look at the encounter, we talk about after the resurrection and the fact that Jesus stayed on this earth for 40 days, what we need to understand is that he came to people personally. And that's exactly how he, need, how he wants to come to you. And that's exactly how he came to every other person that had put their faith and trust in Jesus. And let me help you with this. That's exactly the way, if, you've ever, if you're a believer right now, that's exactly the way He wants to communicate and be with you today is in a personal way. Now let's keep on going because it wasn't just that this was a personal encounter. It wasn't just that it was a personal encounter. Let's pick up in verse 17. Verse 17 says, Jesus saith unto her, touch me not, for I have not yet ascended to my father. Now, we don't know exactly why he said, touch me not. There's several different situations where he, he says not to touch him. And, and, and some of that may be from the standpoint of, don't grab onto me. Let me go. I have more business to do. But notice what Jesus says after he makes that point. He says, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father and to my God and your God. Verse 18, Mary Magdalene came and told disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. Now, this is also, let me just help from this standpoint, of that not only did he show himself to Mary, but there was another group of women that were there with Mary. They have actually gone on to this point to, to, to report back from the standpoint of the angel and stuff like that. But as they're going back, notice what happens as Mary's at the tomb, and now these other women are going back to the disciples. Matthew 28, 9 through 10. And as they went to tell his disciples... Behold, that's these women, these other women. Jesus met them saying, all hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. Before we move a little forward, notice that both Mary's response and these women's response was to hold on to Jesus. Their response when they saw Jesus was a response of worship. But notice what Jesus says to them in verse number 10. Then said Jesus unto them, be not afraid. Here's that word, go Tell my brethren that they go into Galilee and there shall they see me. So when we look in this first encounter, both from the standpoint of, 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 of what Mary saw it was a personal encounter. Also with these women, it's a personal encounter. But then we see that, that Jesus gives them specific instructions to what they're supposed to do. The instructions he gives Mary is the same instruction he gives these women. And so when we look at this, what we need to understand is not only is it a personal encounter, but if you're taking notes, number two, 
It was a purposeful encounter. It was a purposeful encounter. There was a reason that he showed himself unto Mary and to these women. There was a reason. It wasn't just so they could see him. It wasn't just so they could worship him, even though those are great things. The reason why he showed himself to them so that they could carry the message that he was alive, that they could carry the message that he is resurrected. See, here's what's kind of interesting. We need to understand this. Jesus is not trying to hide the fact that he's a resurrected Lord. He's not hiding that fact. He's not trying to say, you know what, I want want this to be real confusing. I want this to be real mysterious. I want this to be something that they wonder about and think about and all this kind of stuff. No, Jesus comes to Mary. Jesus comes to these women and he says, guess what? You've seen me. Now go tell the rest of them. You've seen me. Go tell them that I'm coming to see them too. See, what's interesting about this is that Jesus is not in any way, shape, or form wanting to keep the resurrection a secret. He wants it to be known. He doesn't want the mystery to be there. He doesn't want conspiracy theories about everything. He wants everyone to know, look, I'm alive and well. I am the resurrected Lord. Now, how do we apply that to our lives today? Let me help you with this. Jesus has not changed The fact that he wants people to know about his resurrection. He wants everyone to know about his resurrection. He wants everybody to know the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. He wants everybody to know. But yet, what do we do? Sometimes we keep it in secret. Sometimes we keep it to ourselves. Sometimes we don't tell everybody about the resurrection. See, here's what's interesting. In the day and time that we're living in right now, the the most important thing that people can have to hold on to is hope. Hope. Because right now, we're living in a time where hope is hard to find. Because there's a lot of unknown, there's a lot of mystery. Let's just be understanding where we are with this whole virus thing. There are people that are losing their life. And it's a scary time. But people need hope. And here's what's interesting about this is that, that when it comes to the Christian life, if you take the cross and you leave it right there, you come up short. If you take the cross and the burial, you kind of come up short. Okay, he died. So? But here's where the hope comes in. In the gospel. There's some hope there in the cross because he's dying for our sins. There's some hope there there in his death. But the true hope in the gospel is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The fact that he defeated sin and death. We can escape sin and death as well because of what he's done. Jesus wanted people to know about the resurrection. And so in this time that we're in, are we living in a way that we believe the resurrection is true? Are we living in a way that there is hope found in Jesus? Are we living in a way where when people don't know where to turn, that we tell them where to turn is to Jesus? It was purposeful. He had a reason for the encounter. 
He wanted them to know that he was the resurrected Lord, that he was alive and well, and he had the, the keys of death and hell in his possession. And if we put our faith and trust in him, we could have a home in heaven forever, that we could experience the same resurrection that he experienced. Now let's keep on going. Because here's what's kind of interesting about everything we've talked about today because we're going to jump forward to when they actually bring these messages to Jesus. In Luke chapter 24. In Luke chapter 24. And return from the sepulcher. This is, these are the women. Verse, verse 9. Chapter 24 verse 9. And return from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. Notice who's here. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles. Notice that what's going on here is that these are the, the, the very people we just talked about. Mary Magdalene and those other women, they're bringing back a report that Jesus is alive and well. He is resurrected. And notice what happens in verse 11. And their words seemed to be to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. Now, I don't know about you, but you kind of look at it and you go, you know, Buchanan, that's kind of a hard way to, to really take this whole entire message is that, hey, wait a second, it was a personal encounter. It was a purposeful encounter. They did what they were supposed to do. They, they went and told about the resurrection. <laughs> Notice who they told it to. They, noted, they told it to those, those 11 those, those, those apostles, those, those disciples that were with Jesus for three and a half years, told it to everybody else that was around, and their response was like idle tales. They, they were saying like, like, you're just making this stuff up. This stuff isn't real. Like we saw him go in the tomb, we saw him go in the grave, and now you're saying it again, and they received it as idle tales. Now, you may be saying, well, Buchanan, why, why would we kind of end the message there? Now, the message is not over yet, but, but we're getting close. So Mary and these women had a personal encounter with Jesus. They were told to, 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 to go and tell about the resurrection. And so they do exactly what Jesus tells them to do. And the people that were closest to Jesus wouldn't believe them. Now, why do I tell that part of that story? One is because I want you to keep coming next week. Because honestly, there's two ways to look at this. One is, I don't really blame them for what they're, what they're feeling. I don't really blame them for the fact of how they're thinking. Because honestly, you know, they haven't seen it for themselves. They don't know for sure that that's going on. And, and the last remember, image they think is this, this savior, this, this savior of the world who is supposed to be king died on a cross. He was put in a tomb. I don't really blame him for that. And so if you're at the end of this message right now and you're kind of in the same place, you know, I don't know what you can about this whole Jesus thing. I don't know if he really is the resurrected Lord or not. Guess what? <laughs> you're in good company. That's exactly how the disciples felt. The only people that really, that really believe that he was the resurrected Lord at this point, up to this point, are these women. And so I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to, to keep tracking with this because 
We're going to see Jesus interact with another group of people. And it's still not these 11. It's still not the rest of it. it, it it's two random people next week. <laughs> They're so random, we only know the name of one of them. The other person remains unnamed. But I want you to stick with us. I want you to stay with us on this. Because they're, they're trying to put in their minds, I don't understand this. I know he said he was going to rise up again, but I don't know if I believe it or not. And if you're there right now, that's okay. Because it's interesting to see that they did not believe the report. Now let's kind of wrap it up. Just to kind of put a summary on everything. So what are some things that we can take from today? One is, Jesus is a personal God. Jesus is a personal God. He is not just this random, big, huge God, some higher power being that we think is, is up there and doing this and doing that and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and he's, just thinking, he's just looking down on the earth. No, when he's looking down, he's looking at, the, at you. He's looking at me. Jesus is a personal God. Another thing we can take from this is Jesus wants people to know about the resurrection. He wasn't trying to keep it a secret. He didn't want to keep it a mystery. He wasn't trying to hide anything. He wanted people to know about the resurrection. And, and sadly, I guess, the other thing we can take from that is that even though we know the truth, doesn't mean that everybody's going to believe. And doesn't mean that everybody's going to believe yet. But that doesn't change the fact, just because we know now that there are some people that may not believe, does not change the fact that God is still a personal God. Jesus is still a personal God. And Jesus wants people to know about his resurrection. Nothing changes about that. And so I want to encourage you, if you've, if you've shared the gospel with some other people, and they haven't received it, and they haven't believed it, that's okay. Because that's the world we live in. There's some people that don't receive it. Now here's the final thing, final thing. Even though they didn't choose to believe, the question for every single person right now watching, does that mean you're going to choose not to believe? Does that mean you're not going to choose to believe? Because I want, you to, I want to help you understand that Jesus was not focused on the masses. He was focused on the person. And so right now, however you're watching this, you may, be, you, may be, you may be sitting at home, you may be sitting somewhere else, you may be, uh, there may be a bunch of people in the room, you may be all by yourself. But here's what I want to I help you with. Jesus wants a personal relationship with you. Jesus wants a personal relationship with you. And so the question is, will you... Will you accept that invitation? Because Jesus, when Jesus called my name for the first time and, 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 and helped me to see I was a sinner, convicted me of my sin, and desired a relationship with me, it was a personal encounter. And so right now, Maybe you're somebody who was with us last week and, 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 and as we talked about that rubber band, you started to stretch your thinking a little bit. Is today the day that you're going to believe? Because here's what I believe. I believe right now at this very moment, God is convicting the hearts of people. 
probably many people. And he's personally calling out your name. And what he's saying is, I want to save you from your sins. So are you going to take that step? Now for the believers, for the believers there's something we can take as well. Because the resurrection is true and the resurrection is real and the resurrection should not be hidden at all. And so how is your life projected the truth of the resurrection? How is your life projected hope? More importantly, not just your life, but how have your words projected hope? How have your words projected hope of, 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 of what Jesus is and is doing in the midst of this whole entire deal? If we want to take it a little step further. When was the last time you shared the gospel with somebody and the truth of the resurrection to help them see how much hope is found in Jesus. So every single person that's watching right now can take something from this message. For the person who doesn't believe, he is a personal God who wants a personal relationship with you. For the person who does believe, he has a purpose that he wants you to fulfill by telling others about the resurrection. And so I want to talk to the other group I want to talk to this group over here that is on the fence. Doesn't know if they need to make a decision or not. And here's the thing. I can't tell you if you need to make a decision. The only person who can tell you that is God. And so right now, I want, to pray, I want to pray for you and with you. And if you want to put your faith and trust in Jesus, I want to guide you in that direction. And then as we pray, I want to pray for every single person that has experienced the true miracle of the resurrection in their own life. And that that would go forward. That would go forward out to influence somebody else with the gospel. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for what you're doing. And so, Lord, right now, in the sound of my voice, there are people that need to put their faith and trust in Jesus. Lord God, they know because they're feeling conviction in their heart they know they're a sinner in need of a Savior. And so, Lord God, right now, I ask you to personally call out their name. And, Lord God, as you personally come to them, Lord God, I pray they come personally to you. And, Lord, if they're ready to make that decision, if they're ready to take that step, because of what you're doing in their heart, Lord God, I pray they would pray this prayer. Lord, I admit I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I've made mistakes, I've made wrong choices, and everything I try to do good comes up short of your holiness and your perfect standard. I admit I'm a sinner. Lord, I believe, I believe that you died on the cross, was buried, and most important of all, three days later, rose up in victory over my sin and Lord God today I confess you as Lord and Savior of my life now Lord God as we continue in a moment of prayer Lord God I believe if someone believed that 
and prayed that specifically, Lord God, according to your word, they are saved. They are forever, have a home in heaven with you, and you will walk with them in a personal way on this earth and for eternity to come. And so, Lord God, in celebration of what you've done in other people's lives, and hopefully, Lord God, for what you're doing in these people's lives, Lord, I pray right now for those that are already have made the decision to put their faith and trust in you. And Lord, I pray that the truth of the resurrection, Lord God, the fact that they not only had a personal encounter at salvation, but have a personal God that walks with them day in and day out. Lord God, that they would see that there's a purpose behind that encounter. That, they, that you want every single person to know the truth and the power and the hope that's found in your resurrection. And so Lord God, I pray you be with those people as well. Lord God, we give you all the praise and glory for who you are, for what you've done, and Lord God, for what you're doing. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now here's what I want you to do. If you prayed that prayer and you believed it with your whole entire heart, it's not about the words you pray, it's about what you believe in your heart. I want you to, to right now, if you're watching on Facebook, comment, I believe I prayed something of that nature. I got saved, whatever it may be, so that we can reach out to you, we can help you. We have people right now that are are sitting by wanting to have a conversation with you about this decision that you've made. And so we want you to do that. Now, if you want to talk to me directly, you want to talk to me directly, you can email me. You can email me at Buchanan, B-U-C-H-A-N-A-N, at templebaptistfairview.com. Buchanan, B-U-C-H-A-N-A-N at templebaptistfairview.com. If you've made that decision, we want to help you. We want to encourage you. Now for every single person, every single person that's already put their faith and trust in Jesus, we have a tremendous hope that there is, there was a resurrection and there will be a resurrection for us because of us putting our faith and trust in Jesus. And so let's go out there and share the hope to the whole entire world. I love every single one of y'all. I'm praying for every single one of y'all. And don't forget, keep smiling.